Welcome back to Take It to Court Podcast. I am your host, Attorney Natasha Scruggs. We're going to be talking about taking it to court, the actual courtroom, and taking it to the hardwood. And I have a guest later on coming from WNBA KC, Kathleen Greer. So first of all, let me apologize to y'all. We did not have an episode last week. I was on Court TV Live two, two weeks in a row, and it was a lot of work, so we could not record last week, but we are back, and we have been watching the W, and we're going to give you all the, all the new updates on that. So let's talk about the case of the week. So last week, which is July, actually this week, when was that? July 1st, last week, um, student athletes are now able to earn money from their name, image, and likeness without losing amateurism. So the Supreme Court ended up putting out a opinion on this. The Supreme Court said that right now, amateurism in the NCAA is technically a violation of antitrust laws. So basically, if in any other organization or any other industry in the United States, you can't use someone's name, image, and likeness without their consent and without them getting paid. However, when the NCAA created student athlete and they and they termed those athletes amateurs, they basically took that away and they did it from their own governing bodies. They didn't do it with the law behind them, but they've been allowed to do this for years and years and years. Uh, the argument for name, image, and likeness is not new. There are several cases, several Supreme Court cases. Uh, the Ed O'Bannon case is a big one, where Ed O'Bannon was a was now an adult, but at the time he was a student athlete. And I'm sorry, at the time of the case, he was an adult. He was talking about when he was a student athlete, where the NCAA made all this money, like millions of dollars, off of his name. Um, there was also an NC, the NCAA football game that discontinued in 2014 when um, the judge didn't even say that they had to play players, but they lost on a few motions and they were like, we're going to discontinue this game because if we continue the game, we're going to have to pay these players. So basically the NCAA was dragging its feet for years and years and years, knowing that this was coming. And instead of actually taking action to make sure that all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. They waited until the very last minute until the Supreme Court said, these kids are allowed to do this, <laughs> to do that. So basically the NCAA um, basically instituted a, they didn't, they don't have a plan. So there's no rules. They do have the board of directors are supposed to be voting to decide what's what. But honestly, what they've decided is that we're going to let the schools do it. So now they've took their responsibility, their wrongs, and they pushed it off to the schools. So now all the schools have to individually come up with name, image, and likeness plans. It's a bit of a mess. I'm not going to lie. But I'm happy because, you know, I've always wanted this on my last show that I had speculation with Natasha Scruggs. I did a whole segment on this, how the NCAA should pay players. And this is only one section. The NCAA should provide uh, workers' compensation benefits. They should provide profit sharing. It's a whole bunch of other things that I believe will be coming. But this is a good first step. So uh, I have been approached by a few athletes, and I'm thinking about really diving into that because um, I've been into it. I am a former student athlete, so I kind of know what they're going through. And I am into sports law. I'm pretty heavily into sports law right now, probably for the last year and a half, two years. So that's just, I'm just throwing that out there. You might see me representing some players. Okay, now 
that was the case of the week. Let's talk about good call, bad call. So another big crazy thing that happened last week was that Bill Cosby went home. So this kind of came as a shock. It wasn't a technically a shock for me because I knew that there were oral arguments uh, that in the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, and I knew that the judges at the time were not pleased with what the prosecutors did. They were really grilling um, the state on why they did what they did. So let me just summarize what happened because I know it's a lot of talk out there about technicalities, which I wouldn't call that a technicality. Technicality to me is like when somebody messes up a wording or types in something wrong. So I wouldn't call this a technicality. What happened was Bill Cosby back in, when was this? No, back in 2004, he was allegedly um, assaulting a lady. He allegedly molested a lady. In 2005, that lady actually filed a lawsuit against him, a civil suit. In this civil suit, there was a prosecutor. I don't even know how the prosecutor initially got involved, but the prosecutor got involved and he basically made a promise to Bill Cosby that if he would say, be completely open during the depositions of this case, of this civil case, that he would not charge him in a criminal case. So this was the promise that was made. This promise is not written. This promise was a verbal promise. However, um, like I talk about all the time, police can lie, prosecutors cannot lie. They cannot promise you that they would do something um, and then take it away. So Supreme Court agreed. The Supreme Court felt like when the prosecutor promised Bill Cosby that if he spoke on a certain thing that he would not get charged and then turned around, now it was a different prosecutor that came in, turned around and charged him. The Supreme Court felt like that that was a clear violation of his Fifth Amendment rights and that they illegally induced him uh, to do that. So they, they induced him to violate his Fifth Amendment, which you have the right to silence and you have the right against self-incrimination. And the the Supreme Court, I don't feel like that they felt pressure, but they knew that if they were to say that it was okay to violate somebody's rights, that it would be a slippery slope in Pennsylvania and maybe in other states. Now the prosecutors win a lot of motions. Like even if the police obtained evidence illegally, they win. A lot of the times they win. I think that they were shocked because a lot of times, unfortunately, they're allowed to violate their own policies and procedures and the Constitution of the United States. But the Supreme Court said that they didn't want to be involved in that. And so they felt like not only do we need to overturn this conviction and release him immediately, but we're going to bar you all from, from charging him again. And honestly, if I if this is good call, bad call, I think that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court made a good call. And I think they made a good call because it sent a message to all prosecutors that you will have to abide by what you tell defendants. You cannot promise, uh, promise a defendant a lesser sentence or drop charges and then take that away just to manipulate the system. And it also puts a fire under prosecutors that says you need to prosecute cases that you have evidence on. So if Bill Cosby was guilty of this offense, they should have put all of their resources into finding the evidence legally to convict him. You cannot manipulate and do certain things in order to get a conviction. That was the message that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court sent. And I think, I hope that all the prosecutors heard that loud and clear. So I think it was a good call. 
Um, the last case I want to talk about is, did you know? So everybody heard last year during a lot of protests that were going on that uh, in St. Louis, which is where I'm born and raised, there was two Missouri attorneys. So I'm in the bar with these people. <laughs> so it was kind of weird um, because we're in the same bar. It's not a lot of lawyers in the bar. Um, these two attorneys came outside of their home, which is basically also their office in St. in a St. Louis neighborhood, and they were brandishing weapons. So they were like pointing ARs, uh, they were pointing little guns. Patricia was pointing a little gun, and they were both charged with felonies. These two felonies last week, or I think yeah, a week and a half ago, they ended up getting amended to misdemeanors, and now and they just had to pay fines. So Mark McCloskey paid a seventy five uh, seven hundred fifty dollar fine for brandishing his. AR-15, they actually gave him misdemeanor assault. And then Patricia, she had to pay a $2,000 fine. So um, some people were confused about this. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest, a lot of cases, a lot of felonies, cause it was a class E felony. So it wasn't like they got charged with a class B or a class A. That felony, a lot of times that will get amended. Uh, people felt like they were gonna go to jail. I never thought they were gonna go to jail for that. I'm not saying that they didn't need to go to jail for it. I'm saying I did, I never thought that they were going to go to jail for that case. Um, they they actually removed it from a prosecutor. So they so their attorneys did a lot of maneuvering. Um, they moved it from the prosecutor that charged them, uh, which is a prosecutor that I do know, and they into a different prosecutor. They said that, and that was that was back in I think April, and I knew that they were going to end up taking a plea deal. I mean they they were seen on camera doing it. So. I would have been upset, I think, if the cases would have been dropped, but them pleading to a misdemeanor, paying a fine, that's just typical for a, a charge like that in Missouri. What's not typical is Mark McCloskey is running for United States Senate to represent the state of Missouri. That's weird. No one's going to, I mean, who who wants somebody like that in their Senate? In my opinion, them coming outside doing that, if I was to do that outside of my office, nobody would back me up for a senator. So I'm just like, that's weird to me. So that was something that I know a lot of people didn't know. It was it was a big story last year and I just wanted to bring that back to y'all. So now let's get to the hardwood. Welcome back. So now we got our guests to talk about our favorite, the W. Welcome back, <laughs> Kathleen. Thanks. How I'm you been doing? Be I'm good. I'm good. Lots of lots of basketball. I got my new WNBA shirt. Woo! I got my nails painted WNBA orange ahead of the All-Star game. I am excited to be back. They were calling it WNBA gate for the shirts and the jerseys. Yes. People yes. were sad because they ordered stuff a long time. Now, how long were you waiting before you got your shirt? Oh, not very long on the shirts, but it was a personalized jerseys and people oh, were having a lot of trouble. With. Okay. Okay. And now that, now that that has sort of settled, I'm going to order mine because I didn't order it because I was scared <laughs> that it wasn't going to come. And I get, when I order stuff, I really want it in two days or less. I know we got spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, let's talk about the W the NBA first, mm -hmm. because it is the NBA finals going on right now. Uh, did you see the game last night? I did. What I did you think? watched all of it. I thought that Phoenix was really, really impressive. Um, they really were super successful down in the paint. And for some reason, there just was not an answer for them. And I think that the temper, or I think they'll figure it out. And I think it'll be a good series. Yeah. But last night was pretty dominant. And yeah. Chris Paul is doing so many things, even with that torn ligament. 
Right. In his hand. He scored 30, 30 points? 34, I think. 34. Yeah. And then um, Phoenix was also like perfect from the free throw line. And that's hard to beat too. Yeah. And I love when I see that with men because I feel like the W were really good at shooting at the free throw line. Uh-huh. But the NBA, eh, you know, not so much. So I'm glad that they <laughs> did good on that. Um, I, saw, uh, I saw Maria Taylor talking about how neither one of these teams have ever been at the finals before. I know. I think it's exciting. And it's um, kind of a breath of fresh air, honestly, for the league, I think. Yeah, some people are like, oh, my God, they're sad because they're like, no, Steph, no, LeBron. Mm-hmm. People are really throwing a fit. But I think that with all of the concerns the last couple of years over super teams and all of that, this is kind of right. a like, fun twist to it and having two teams that definitely deserve to be there. Yeah. Um, I expect this after, after a bubble year. You yeah, know? I think that's like, true, too. I think that the pandemic shook everything up and took everything off its axis. Nothing's going to be the same. People need to get used to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These teams have never been in the finals, but they are in it now. So yeah. What can we say? Yeah. Speaking of Maria Taylor, um, there was a bit of controversy with Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols, which is her co-worker. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, a New York Times article came out, and it has been brewing for a minute. So it's called, well, that's not what it was called. So the, the title of the article says, A Disparaging Video Prompts Explosive Fallout Within ESPN. But the actual article, um, oh, it did say that. Mm -hmm. I guess everybody just kept putting their own quote on it. (laughs) But it was a picture of Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols, and a few other people on there. And the, the, the first one that I saw said multiple black ESPN employees say that they told one another after hearing the Rachel Nichols conversation and confirmed their suspicions that outwardly supportive white people talk different behind closed doors. Welcome to corporate America. This was trending for at least 48 hours. Yes. (laughs) It really took over Twitter. There were some people saying, oh my God, I'm so shocked. There were some people saying, I'm not surprised. There were former ESPN employees speaking out. There were um, current ESPN employees speaking out. Not a lot though, I'm not gonna lie. ESPN was really hush on this. People on the Fox side were speaking out because you know, this is not their, you know, they get to talk. (laughs) Right. so what was your initial thoughts when you saw it or when you heard it? Cause there's audio yeah. and everything. Um, I mean, I think there are a whole lot of problems with it, obviously. Um, it's something that shouldn't have been said. It's not an attitude that, you know, really should still be out there in 2021 and we shouldn't have <laughs> women competing against each other for jobs and there shouldn't be, um, you know, even a discussion around having to, go out of your way for diversity when you have two really talented uh, like female reporters right there in front of you. Um, I don't really see a reason why you couldn't fit both of them on a broadcast, but obviously that wasn't the exact issue. Um, You know, I think that as a white woman who (laughs) has been in sports for a long time and um, considers myself um, both a friend and kind of an advocate of um, you know, other women and other minorities in sport. I am really disappointed that this is such a big story right now. I'm glad that it's getting coverage um, and I'm glad that it's sparked a conversation. But again, I, Maria is really an absolute gift to basketball and with her basketball experience as a player um, and her talent as an announcer, I would love to see her on every broadcast. And I'm upset that that was even a question about whether um, you know, she 
deserve the spot or not. Yeah. So as a white woman, do you ever see yourself in, I guess, competition with women or do you like, what is your, what is your attitude about women? Like, I know that you mm-hmm. told me you were the only woman when you were uh, in the sports section of Kansas city star. Yeah. And that people looked at you and felt like you were a I, diversity hire. Yeah. Which um, is ridiculous. Right. That was a little bit of a joke. Um, when I was there and it's upsetting. And I do feel like that at some points when you're in sports and really in a lot of corporate situations still, um, there is not enough value placed on women and, you know, what we bring to the table and the knowledge that we have. And I got a lot of messages from readers questioning whether I could cover football when I didn't play it in high school, but you know, how many male reporters did either. Right. Right. <laughs> it's that, not no, like that's we... BS. I always say that I'm like, coaches there's a lot of coaches there's a lot of writers there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that you don't have to play the game in order to talk about the game or write about the game or even coach the game yeah so i don't even know it's it's just that's fake like when people say stuff like that just say that you don't want a woman to be a reporter yes my thing is the weird part about the whole diversity hire thing is like if that's the case you're telling me that Kansas City Star or ESPN just went on the street and grabbed the first person that they saw and brought him in. I just right. don't understand what that means. In my opinion, I think that the whole idea of a diversity hire is a false idea. It's a paradigm mm-hmm. because the reason why people started to focus on diversity is because there wasn't any. So when you're kind of writing a wrong you're not doing anybody any favors. These are people who would have been hired anyway, but for the fact that they're, uh, you know, they weren't getting hired. Right. And one guy said, which I really liked it. I wish I could find it. He said something about, he was like, uh, people talk about being hired based on your race. And he was saying that honestly, there's a lot of, uh, white men that are, that are being hired based on their race, based on the fact that they're based on their gender and their race. Yes. Um, he felt, he feels like that they are the number one diversity hires. <laughs> they get hired based on race. Uh, but I just think I know how hard it is as a black woman to be in any industry, uh, especially sports and especially sports media, because Mm -hmm. that means that my image, which is not uh, readily, uh, you know, accepted or uh, or accepted throughout the world has to be accepted on camera. So Mm -hmm. I just know that to be a woman, you know, and put eight to nine years at least from what I can see on ESPN or on certain different uh, aspects. Mm-hmm. I know she worked in college and I know she is a, is a former basketball player as well. For somebody to work that hard and then to be reduced to just a check mark and then to be seen as your talents and abilities are not valued or were not even looked at, it's just ridiculous. And I think that that's something that I think Rachel herself should go and examine. And see, I would have, ex- I, I hated her, I hated her apology, hated her apology. <laughs> <laughs> I would have respected her if she said, I'm gonna tell y'all the truth. When they asked me to um, take a step down, I felt attacked, I felt jealous, yes. I felt, tell us what really happened. You know, be honest. I can understand a human having envy or jealousy that somebody could be taking your spot. What I won't understand and what I don't understand is how you then took that and said, 
well, she's only there because she's black because they because of what's going on, which it was the middle of 2020 in the middle of the Black Lives Matter uprisings mm-hmm. in the middle of like the rage on police brutality. And she she said, well, yeah, they're feeling pressure. So they hired her. And then she made the differentiation between being a woman and then being a black woman. She yep. said, because I understand it from the woman standpoint, as if Maria Taylor is not a woman. And she said, so so that's on her standpoint. Oops. I'm always doing that. <laughs> I accidentally touched that. So what do you think about that? Um, no, I think you're totally right. I think that there was an opportunity to say, you know, for her to say directly, like, why, why is my role being questioned and say, is there something that I'm doing differently? Is there something I could be doing differently? Um, and make it more of a personal um, growth moment, hopefully. Um but I think that there is, um, I think that both in the sports world and really just in general kind of workforce, there is a huge tendency to pit women against each other and to really play off of that drama. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot in the media right now, because the other people who were there in the conversation aren't getting nearly as much trouble or flack as she's getting. Yeah. Adam Mendelson. Cause I, I tweeted about him. Some people were tweeting about him too, but a lot of people didn't tweet about him. And that's my problem. That's my other problem with Rachel. It's like, Rachel, you know that they put women against each other and you basically mm-hmm. played into that and you doubled down on it. But Adam, Adam has said, apparently he's one of the co-founders of uh, more than a vote. So that was alarming because he said that he was tired of the me too movement. And he said that he was tired of the Black Lives Matter movie. He was basically saying, I'm exhausted on both. And my thing is, if you're exhausted, what do you think the people who are actually victims are exhausted? Like, how do you think yes. they feel? Right. How do you think, because the Me Too movement is specifically about women in the workplace being harassed mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's it's a little, it's, it's very niche down. So women are still in the workplace. Women are, pro- are presumably still getting harassed in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And the people who were harassed in the workplace are still displaced, still probably unemployed, still, you know, their dreams are taken away from them. And honestly, almost all of my sheroes have endured that except for, except for maybe Oprah. I don't think Oprah ever endured somebody like trying to come on to her uh, while she was trying to work. But Cicely Tyson talked about that in her book right before she died. She talked about how she just wanted to be an actress and a man violated her you know and she was like that's so like you you, like you looked at me like a piece of meat and i think that's the theme the ongoing theme is dehumanization and people feeling and marginalized people feeling taken advantage of and also people being held accountable for their actions so i think that's what the me too movement and the black lives matter movement is about so i don't understand what he means by he's exhausted or he's tired (laughs) right (laughs) Right. I'm exhausted of it um, as a survivor of sexual assault, as somebody who's been sexually harassed in multiple multiple jobs. Um, I'm exhausted. But I also realize that there are other people who haven't had the resources and the opportunities and the help and support that I've had around it to keep myself going. Yeah, you're exhausted as a victim. He's exhausted as what? Like (laughs) As a potential perpetrator. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't Sorry, you have to watch your back and not say anything offensive. Just don't do it. It sounds stupid. I think I hate when people say like, oh, you got to be careful. Like, what are y'all talking about? Are people are people like crazy? I did see a really good tweet the other day 
going back to the Rachel Nichols situation, and it was um, basically the only way to make sure that you don't have to worry about bad press coming out is to not say anything bad in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Cause I feel like, like with her apology, she, she apologized for like five seconds. She was like, Hey, I was taught to never be the story. I'm the story today. I just want to apologize to all my fans. And if I, and if I offended Maria Taylor, my bad, yeah. then they turned it over to her two black male co-hosts and they talk longer than her. I was like, what is this? Like, I was pissed. Uh, somebody said, when black women excel, it's not a diversity check. We over deliver every single time because we have to. Maria Taylor continues to set the bar for us all. I agree with that. I think she sets the bar for reporters in general. Yeah. I, I think it goes beyond <laughs> being black. It goes beyond being a woman. She yeah. is fantastic at her job. Yeah. Somebody was talking about Josina Anderson. She mm -hmm. is a former ESPN, I guess, analyst as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if she was a host at one time, but uh, somebody came out and said, hey, um, who is this? Landon Collins said, I know this story is just the surface. Thinking of Josina Anderson today, she never talked about what happened at ESPN. We all know she's the best female NFL insider in the game. Something ain't right. Too many things with ESPN and black women. And then Chris Hayes, he's a, he's a sports writer. He's an NBA insider with uh, Yahoo Sports. He said, male or female, Josina Anderson is one of the best NFL insiders in the country. She sadly wasn't treated as such, but continues uh, tremendous independent coverage. And I was glad that they brought that up because honestly, I saw that Josina wasn't on uh, <clears throat> ESPN anymore, right. but I didn't know what happened because they said she never talked about right. it. And then she was on the NFL side, uh, mm -hmm. which which I think is interesting because I know you're not you're not handed a job uh, in the Absolutely NFL. Not. Even another thing that Rachel said, she said she does football, she does basketball, and I was like, so I was like, don't don't you do football and basketball? What's wrong with that? Right. Is she only supposed to do one thing? She was like, she does football, she does basketball, and if they want to find something else for her to do, they can do that, but not over here. And I was like, what? It was crazy. So Josina responded and said, you've always been a friend and a professional colleague. Appreciate your willingness as a male in journalism to speak up for our female counterparts. Mm -hmm. Nothing is sad, though. Obstacles give us drive. Overcoming gives us proof. God is in control. Off-seasons, retentions is not inactivity. You know, when she said that and then me seeing Maria Taylor last night, it was like, wow, women get treated a certain way, get marginalized more, um, the feeling of dehumanization, all of this stuff and still show up ready to work, still show up like, okay, I'm ready to do my job. Like it has to be humiliating to have everybody at your job talking about this thing that happened like that's something i would never want to come out it's something same thing with the me too situation where mm -hmm. a lot of people don't come out and say that they were assaulted because nobody wants to be a victim right it's not a good feeling for everybody to be talking about you right so i thought that um maria taylor and then they ended up espn ended up replacing rachel with another black woman uh malika andrews is now she's basically going to be doing a sideline reporter mm -hmm. job. And I, I have to be honest, I didn't know that there was such a big difference between hosting and sideline reporter. So mm -hmm. I had to ask Kathleen because <laughs> she's a, she's a, she's really deep into sports. Mm -hmm. I'm like, is there a big difference? But when you host, it is different than sideline because it's basically your show. Yes. And it's it's, more it's a little higher profile. Yeah. Um, the, 
um, sideline reporter is kind of the a beginner on the um, on the crew most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Holly Rowe is probably a big exception, especially in the <laughs> WNBA, because the players love her so much that they keep her on the sideline. And to me, and she's really thrived there. Yeah, I like um, I like her out there. Yeah, and she adds a lot of a lot of personality and has really fun interviews. Um, yeah, um, I was on a show on um, on on Sirius XM with Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Jason Jackson was a sideline reporter for the Heat when. LeBron and him was there and he had so much fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of his biggest moments were there talking to LeBron, talking to Bosch, talking to D-Wade. I'm not in that world. So I, I just don't see what's wrong with that. That's yeah. just me. But I know she didn't want that. And that, that could have been, like I said, it was just the way that she articulated it. And also her beliefs. I think that if she does believe that, cause she needs to be honest with herself. If she believes that Maria Taylor is mm-hmm. only there because she's black. If she if she has those beliefs, then I think that she should spend some time. I said that ESPN should double up on their anti-racism trainings. They should double up on their diversity trainings for their e uh, for their C suite for the people who are in the yes. upper echelon. I know they need it. <laughs> so I think that trainings and things can go all around. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, people could never change. But I think that a blanket apology that you don't explicitly state what was wrong and you're not telling me how you're going to change meaning like hey i've consulted uh, this this person this person i've i've did this then i don't think that the change is real but i do think that you can change if you actually want to do it um i also said something about um being culturally competent is a requirement yes. in 2021 absolutely and that's for all cultures um, I talked about the Native American culture. I talked about the Mexican American culture, Chinese American. Um, I remember being a kid and I used to see movies uh, with subtitles. And then I used to see Native Americans in their garb. And all of these things were taken away because they couldn't get jobs. Uh, they had to assimilate. And I wish that people could really be into their culture uh, and still you know, do things like, yeah. why can't we have an, a, a Native American attorney with his full garb on right. in court, but we have teams and we have, you know, all of these parades or these events where people can put that on. That's just not fair. So I think cultural competence should be something that needs to be on the resume bullet point. Like yeah. I have this, I studied this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of why I'm so excited to be here with a, like, powerful, intelligent woman who's way smarter than all of her <laughs> <laughs> And oh. who's just doing her own thing and you're rocking everything you do. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, the WNBA has its own culture. Yes. And I think that these places need to have cultural competence on the WNBA. Yes. They're, they seem a bit confused. Um, I think that they want it to be the NBA and it's yeah. not. You know, why can't they appreciate what the WNBA brings? Since yeah. Since well, and we talked about it last episode. I think that the players are creating such a unique and interesting atmosphere where it's really player-focused right now. And it um, they have personalities and they have kind of this whole fashion movement off the court. Oh, my and God. Yeah. I love it. But um, And even just the activism is the league. Um, I mean, you look at everything that the Atlanta Dream did last year, getting Kelly Loeffler out of office and then off their team, yeah. um, and everything that the teams did for voting. And they were really the first team to respond to um, 
a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, they had shirts. Uh, I also saw that even though Maya Moore is not on the court yet, I th- I hope she'll come back. But I did see that she got a 30 for 30. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to air the night before the All-Star game. So that's going to be great. So we're not short on great stories, I guess, right. great profiles. Uh, but people do want them to, or people do want more organizations and more outlets to cover the games. Like, do you feel like it should, do you feel like it's hard? I know it's not hard for you because you follow all these people. <laughs> But do you feel like if you were just a random person, would uh-huh. it be hard for you to find the scores of the games and find out like what happened in the games? I think it is if you're not if you don't know where you're looking, because I think that the ESPN app, um, a lot of the other score apps, um, it's not one of their front and center leagues. Yeah, you their scores are on the banner, but they're not the first ones that pop up um, or even the second or most of the times the third. Um, the WNBA, WNBA app, I think is one of the best that I've ever seen. Um, I think that the way that they've organized it, it's extremely, um, approachable and easy from kind of a user experience standpoint. Um, and there are a lot of really, really good, um, organizations that are devoted to their coverage of it. I would love to see more coverage from those bigger outlets. But honestly, the smaller outlets are just doing a better job right now. I was going to say that. I mean, um, I've seen a lot of people starting WNBA podcasts, mm-hmm. and I love that, including this one. Yes. <laughs> but I saw... Well, NECA has her own podcast, yeah, too. Yeah, NECA has a podcast, and then... Nafisha Collier. Yeah. So we have players with podcasts. This is the T with V. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then I saw... I oh Man, it's so many different ones. Um what was that on Spotify? So either on Spotify or on Apple, I've seen a bunch of other new podcasts pop up. Um, somebody who is actually my soror, she 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 has a podcast, but she also like Latina Robinson too. Oh yeah, hers is fantastic. Yes. And you know what? I've seen some with men having them, mm-hmm. women having them. It's it's pretty diverse. The people who are into it. Terica, so yes, Terica has her own podcast, but then she also like, you know, helps with the WNBA as yes. far as like if they need, I guess, a sideline reporter. <laughs> a sideline reporter was trending too. I was like, what? Um, so so right now you feel like social media and podcasts mm-hmm. are kind of leading the WNBA's coverage. Yeah, I think the players being able to um, access the fans so directly is a huge, huge like asset for this league. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are very active on Twitter mm-hmm. and um, are granting that access because they haven't had it before. And so I think that they're a lot more open um, with the media outlets as well. Yeah. Which makes it a lot of fun to watch because then even if you're not into a specific team, if you're not, Mm. um, if you haven't been watching for a long time, you can still kind of get attached to those players or those stories from a lot of different angles. I'm not going to lie. You're a hundred percent right about that. (laughs) Like if you are new to the W, even if you get on Twitter and you like do hashtag WMJ Twitter, you can learn so much and see so much just from the Twitter. And honestly, now that you mentioned that too, it's a it's a shakeup because what the NBA does and what the WNBA does um, what the NBA does and the NFL does mm-hmm. 
is they'll have these press conferences and it's it's all the same thing. It's nothing new, it's nothing innovative. Yeah. But because the W is getting this news from other outlets, it's actually, the media is, is actually faster. Mm -hmm. It's much more personal too. And it's more personal. Yeah. Cause seeing somebody up there at a press conference is so impersonal. They're sitting there and they're like, next question. Yeah, we played our heart out. <laughs> But, wow. And then at the games, I saw a lot of, you know, players will give little, they'll give little uh, interviews at the game. I actually had a coach, uh, had an uh, interview with a coach after a game. Uh -huh. And I like that. I kind of yeah. like that. So it's like, I, I like where we're at now, but I, I do feel like there's going to be something that triggers the bigger outlets to focus more on the W. And I don't know what yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, I... I hope every time that we have the Olympics that that's going to be the turning point and then it isn't. And I don't know why. Um, I feel the same way about the NWSL. Um, you know, both both of those national teams are so good and so consistently good <laughs> that every time I'm like, well, maybe it'll be after this Olympic run. Yeah. That they'll get a little bit more coverage. Maybe it'll be after this World Cup win. Yeah. And they just yeah. keep winning and there still isn't enough coverage because i remember the when we won the world cup and it like it did go viral mm -hmm. it was like they only focused on one player and then mm -hmm. they stopped talking about her and i'm like well where'd she go and right like, you know so i think in women's sport do you feel like women's sports is more individualized like they like focus on one woman like you know we were focused on serena for a long time i think it's easy to just pick one and focus on that person and i think that I think that generally that ends up being kind of lazy. And we've seen that in New York this season, especially. That's what I'm saying. I've been I, seeing that. Yeah. And people were Sabrina, mad. Sabrina is a fantastic player. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. She had an incredible college career. Yeah. And I was thrilled when she was drafted and then super disappointed when she got injured. Yeah. And glad to see her back. And, you know, I've followed that really closely. But there are a lot of good players up in um, New York. And she consistently is the name. Um Kind of no matter who, no matter who's the star of the game, she's the one that they focus on, and she's that was the name the that they know. That was that the argument mm -hmm. that okay. Same so, thing in Seattle. I mean, Sue Bird's fantastic, um, mm -hmm. and it has been for a very long time. Brianna Stewart is amazing, but there are a lot of other players making that team run. I think we just cracked the code on the problem. <laughs> By saying the individualized mm -hmm. players. You just pick one. You just pick one and you're like, we're talking about her. But it's, mm -hmm. it is lazy because you don't have It'd to. It'd be like if every conversation you heard about the NFL, you <laughs> only heard about Tom Brady. And they were like, so the NFL's coming back. Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. <laughs> he's the guy to watch. And then you'd be like, why? And you'd be like, well, because he's, he's pretty good. Here's... <laughs> Here's his personal stats over the last three years. Well, how does that compare to other people? Well, he's really good. We don't know the other people's he's stats. The he's the defending champion quarterback. <laughs> Do better. Do better. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be uh, talking Invest about in us women. now. Invest in women, pay women. Uh, I think I don't think it was trending, trending, but I did. Mm -hmm. I do think that WNBA. Uh, equal pay was yes. slightly trending um, in the last 12 hours or whatever. Uh, we talked about that last year. Everybody knows. At last uh -huh. time, everybody knows women need to women need to be paid. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's try take your pick. So this is a new segment we're trying. I want to find out from Kathleen herself mm -hmm. who is her pick. So number one, who's your favorite team right now? The Aces are my favorite Ooh. team. They are so much fun to watch. 
you've got your co-player of the week out there they've won four in a row yeah um and they we had so much fun watching that game against seattle at our last uh watch party we did and i i just think they again have so much personality and they're so much fun to watch i'm so sad because i agree with you (laughs) (laughs) okay so i started off my favorite team was the mercury Okay. We still love the Mercury. I still love the Mercury, but I'm, I'm, ooh, I've been watching those aces. And then I don't even want to say my next one because then I'm going to ask you the question. But the aces, the organization, mm-hmm. the players love me some Liz Cambridge. Oh, yes. Um, Asia Wilson. Mm-hmm. They are tough. I like their toughness. They're in shape. I like their size. I like the big men. I told y'all yeah. that last time. So, ooh. well, they were, they were, quick and they were organized against the storm and i think that was really what made the difference in that game yeah so obviously the storm are talented and you know they're a great team they're yeah. solid i mean people were but i think going that, crazy i think that the aces came in with a lot of energy they did and they didn't have they had that energy all the way up until the end of the overtime mm-hmm. and the fire yes you know that that night was crazy that was a crazy <laughs> night um okay favorite coach um, I really like what Kurt Miller is doing in Connecticut. Um, I think he's played around a little bit with his roster out there, um, given Bree Jones a little bit more time, which I think has, um, you know, really, really paid off. Yeah. Um, John Quell is having an incredible season. She's uh, second in the league in scoring, first in the league in assists. Exactly. Um, or I think rebounds, not assists. But I think assists is Courtney Vandersloot. Mm-hmm. But still, um, I think that he has created a really, really solid roster out there. And they, again, have been a really great team to watch. Yeah. Do you think that they're coming, they're trying to get a, a, a championship? I I think they have a shot. Um, Aces are going to be hard to beat. That's my thing. I think that, because the Aces don't have, uh, do they have a championship yet? Do they have, did they win a championship? So I think this could be their year. I'm not sure. I don't want to, you know, push it out too far but (laughs) unfortunately i don't want to say unfortunately (laughs) but my favorite coach is the aces coach so i like the team and i love Uh the coach uh i've been seeing bill on the sidelines and i I, what i like about coaching is that you have to have a relationship with your players Mm -hmm. and then you have to advocate for your players and go hard for them and that's what he does and that's something that is very valuable also, I feel like his players respect him, and that's something that's mm-hmm. not easy is either. As a basketball player, when your coach talks, you listen. Uh-huh. And I feel like he commands that. I did see that he he he's a former NBA player. Yeah. So he he has it's professional a whole other life for him. Yeah. But he was a wild player too. <laughs> I hope that was, was he on the uh the bad boys? Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought I saw that. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. Uh, I I hope his players all watch that and are just a little intimidated by him. And I think that he thrives off of that energy. That's what I'm saying. They respect him. Mm-hmm. You got to listen. And I think, gotta... he, I think he'll fight for his players, too. And he, I think that makes a huge, huge difference. Huge. Favorite player. Ugh, I don't even know. There's so many good players <laughs> out there I knew you were right going to say that. I know. She doesn't I know. Like I said pick. it last time. She I don't like to pick Okay, my give me three. Give me three. Because I know, I know how you are about your girls. I know. <laughs> I think Asia, John Quall, and then still, I think Courtney Vandersloot isn't getting enough attention this year. 
she's been so consistent yeah um and um really i think has been a huge part of chicago's success and i know you like chicago too i do i do um really excited to see candace parker back yeah my favorite girl on there is uh cooper Kalina oh cooper. she's been so fun mm. Mm, the way she plays ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> me and my brother were going crazy watching her in person um my favorite player is <laughs> another aces <laughs> it's looking like i'm team aces right now it really I is am. um chelsea gray so she and i so wnba and casey they have watch parties and so i was like let's go we went to the watch party i was late uh-huh. <laughs> but that was the game that chelsea gray really she was a standout at that game. She was. She was a standout. She she brought the energy in OT, mm-hmm. and she did hit some, you know, some clutch shots. She did. She, uh, her and her her teammates, they just had a great relationship. I feel mm-hmm. like on the court, and they were in sync. But I liked how I liked how she played, and I liked that she did get some of her shine. She did get a lot of notoriety yes. that day. So right now, this week, she's my favorite player. Love that. <laughs> um, so what about the All-Star game? So the All-Star game is next week. It's uh-huh. next Wednesday. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I I said it last week, but I am really, really excited to see how this format works out um, with the national team versus the All-Stars. Um, I think that it will be a really interesting showing for the league in general because I – honestly looking at the two rosters think it's going to be a really close game yeah um, it is i already know it is yeah it's probably going to go in the o- overtime and it, you know with how good our olympic team is you would think that maybe they would just blow any other team out of the park but i think it's going to show a lot of people who aren't as familiar with the team mm-hmm. just how solid this whole um organization well whole league and yeah all women talent is really top to bottom um yeah it's gonna be a showcase i i look at it like that um is it what channel is it gonna be on hopefully it's on it's on abc okay so most people should be able to watch it then yes because it'll be yep it'll be nationally televised it'll be regular tv yep that's what i'm talking about i think that I wonder. So I think that is vital to the success of the league. Yes. Is getting more and more national coverage and making it more approachable. Yeah. And we might be doing something fun with that. Stay tuned. Oh, it's going to be on ESPN. It, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, I hope that they put a lot of resources into this game. Mm-hmm. I talked about it last time, how when you put resources and you, you invest and, and you get the sponsorships, it brings more attention to the game. Um, since we talked, since we last were mm-hmm. here, more people are going to the games, more NBA people, more mm-hmm. rappers, more singers, more actors, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, I hope that in Vegas we get a lot of that because unfortunately that's what brings press. Right. You know, but regardless, as long as the press is about the W and as long as they're focused on the game, I'm down for it. I just want, I really want them to treat this the way it should be treated. Because honestly, mm-hmm. the press kind of died down about it. Yeah. Well, and I think that another thing that I really like about the format this year is that there's a little bit of incentive for the uh, WNBA All-Stars to really, really fight their hearts out this game. And I think that that's something that's missing from a lot of the other, um, you know, NFL All-Star game is kind of a joke. Um, (laughs) It really is. 
and you know it's it's a trip and you have the whole all-star weekend and uh basketball i i really like watching the nba all-star game um but again it's just kind of goofy yeah they're just playing around pretty much but i think this game uh, both sides will take it pretty seriously because the olympic team has a little bit of a reputation on the line <laughs> they and got the all-stars have something to prove and so i think it'll be a lot of fun to watch having something to prove having that hunger that's what the fans want to see and they've got eight first-time all-stars yeah on the all-star team yeah that's a lot which is a huge help again taking out that olympic roster yeah but um yeah i i think it'll be really interesting to watch how young talent kind of shapes up against mm -hmm. their veterans because this will be i mean essentially a practice squad yeah yeah if you look at it that way as your olympic starters and your olympic practice squad mm -hmm. and my thing is on both sides of the the court they have relationships mm -hmm. so you know how is that gonna go because like some people when they're in competition mode they're in competition mode, uh -huh. and some people aren't, aren't like that so that's going to be interesting too i think it's going to be a lot of little stories surrounding that as well um so what happened off the court? So something happened in Atlanta and I've been trying to figure it out. I saw Courtney, right? Chenny. Oh, it was Chenny? Yeah. Okay. I Carter. thought it was, I thought it was Courtney Williams. Oh, well, yeah. Was it, it was the, it her too? Yeah. Okay. Everything's so I don't kind know, of a mess down happened. there. Something happened. Carter suspended though. Yes. So in the middle of her, well, first of all, in the middle of a game on the mm -hmm. court, on the sidelines, there was a quote unquote altercation. So the the it, it, WNBA reporter that reported this, people were saying, you were wrong. And she said, I didn't say it was a fight. I said it was an altercation. And then she uh -huh. put the definition of altercation. <laughs> it doesn't say fight. It's right. <laughs> so there was an altercation. What happened? Um, everything has honestly been really cryptic about it. Yeah, they, they haven't are, said anything. There are clearly some organizational issues. Um, and basically the team came out and said that Carter displayed one of my favorite contract clauses, conduct detrimental to the team, mm. <laughs> which could mean anything, anything. really. Um, and they said that she has been talking to front office. Um, she was second in rookie of the year voting last year, obviously a huge, huge asset to that team. Uh, but there are clearly some issues in that locker room. Um, and we don't really know how far it stretches because everything's been pretty cryptic, but um, that'll be definitely something to watch going into a break and then coming out of the break as well. So what do you think about her, I guess, coming on Twitter? So, like I said, like you said, mm -hmm. it was cryptic. Nobody knows what happened. Somebody said there was an altercation. People mm -hmm. took that an altercation as a fight. She said, mm -hmm. I didn't fight anybody. I didn't punch anybody. That's not what happened. Right. But she didn't say what happened. She said... And for the record, I never got anybody traded. So this is from last year. So people, yes. so there was rumors. WNBA Twitter <laughs> was talking about a lot of rumors. I guess there was a rumor that she got somebody it's traded. It's a very dramatic place. <laughs> if you're not on WNBA Twitter, you should be. She said, y'all, wow, man. I don't have that much say so. Hell, I ain't even been on this team that long. Y'all come up with anything. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I'm going to say this. Is this as a lawyer or as a basketball fan? <laughs> as a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> she knew what i was gonna do <laughs> i like official statements mm -hmm. um when it comes to you when it pertains to your personal things i never let my clients talk about their case mm -hmm. um ever you don't talk about the case online i don't care if, yeah and i just no 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 
I like official statements from her person. Mm -hmm. Does she have a team? Does she have a PR person? Does she have a legal team? I would have put out a letter. Courtney Williams uh, denies whatever, whatever, blah, 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 da, 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 da. That's it. And then I'll get back to my regularly scheduled programming. Now, <laughs> I, I do understand that I have heard that mm -hmm. you can tell your clients not to say anything. Yeah. Well, I think the, I think the other question here is again, how deep kind of that drama goes. Yeah. I don't know Atlanta if had because, to do with... you know, if she, if she feels like she is being pitted against the franchise, then obviously you would want to make your own statement, but, but that's my thing. Like when she's talking, she, you, you still work. She there. took a very aggressive approach. Yeah. You still work there. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want you to get, I don't want anything to happen. I mean, Obviously, her spot solidified. She's a great player, right. but listen, I don't want, I don't want that's, and that's what I'm worried about. I don't want something that she says on Twitter because think about it. A lot of people have gotten fired for something on mm -hmm. Twitter. I don't want them to be like, well, she's talking like this on Twitter, which it's not the worst thing in the world, but when it's your employer, you have to be very careful. Yes. You're not independent. Like these players aren't independent and they need to understand that you work for a team. Mm -hmm. You're in the middle of the season. Um, and you do have to kind of abide by that. I'm not telling her to shut up and dribble <laughs> by any means, but stuff like this, that that's not kind of, that's not out in the open. Mm -hmm. You should be careful. She said, if you know me, you know how I get down. I never initiate controversy. I'm too old for that now. I was brought up different in this league. Why are you laughing? It's just <laughs> You so respect funny. your vets and coaches, whether you agree or not. Y'all stay safe. So she's saying, I didn't do nothing. She's, she's, she's defending yes. herself. And I'm just saying, let me do that. Right. If I was on her team, let me do that. But okay? at the same time, we talked earlier about how this is what we love about the league. Is the access to the players and, <laughs> and the players get to speak? And the I mean, players get to speak. I mean, if we love giving them a platform, if her PR told her to go ahead and do it, which I, but if they did, go ahead. Okay, so somebody said, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is <laughs> I'm not gonna it's too I'm not gonna go deep down the rabbit hole, y'all. Y'all go on Twitter and look at what happened. All I know for what I can say is there was not a physical fight. That's right. what I can say. There was not a physical fight. No one is currently injured. No or... one's injured. She was, she did not get to play the rest of the game. Correct. I don't know how long that's going to go. They said so far they said indefinite. Indefinite. That's all we know. I'm assuming through the all-star break, which I think is safe because that's only a couple more days. <laughs> right. And then that gives them basically double the time to figure it out. Yeah. So, uh, hey, hopefully the team gets it together. Hopefully after this, it'll just blow over. Mm -hmm. And she said out of her, her mouth or her hands <laughs> that she was taught to respect her coaches and her vets. Uh -huh. That's how she get down. That's what she said. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to believe her on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I did see that the players of the week, Aja Wilson and, Brianna Jones were both mm -hmm. named players of the week. Did you agree with that? I did. Um, I mean, those were, those were the top players from our two teams and two coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Not to make our list super repetitive or say that we cheated by just picking theirs, but. But we, we, we I, were honest about ours. Though. Yeah. I, again, I think that Jones is doing some really incredible things down in Connecticut and she is a huge, huge 
asset to the other Jones. They've got like a whole bunch Jones. of them down there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then Wilson is just a defining figure in that Aces roster. Yeah. I like her size, and I like how she can play – She'll either play with Cambridge or they will switch switch them out. Like they're mm-hmm. they're they're a perfect team. They're a perfect duo. Um okay. I want to talk a little bit about take it to the ring. So <laughs> when we're not talking about basketball, mm-hmm. say if we're talking about soccer, which she yep. really loves, we'll say take it to the turf. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm from St. Louis and one of my cousins is actually an MMA fighter. His name is Charles Johnson. So my law firm sponsored his last fight. He had a fight with LFA, which is a league that once you win that league, you pretty much go to the UFC. So this is his biggest, the biggest fight he's had. We we sponsored about two of his other fights. So um, this is just something that I uh, watch with my mom on, uh, they have a UFC fight pass. And um, he won. He fought against somebody from Japan and he was doing like all of these Japanese media. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, they were calling him and I guess it was a big deal because uh, nobody from Japan has played on that, I guess, in that league or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so the game, the game, the fight was really good. It was six rounds, I think. I think it was six rounds. No, five rounds. I was just following your pictures, honestly. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it was just something that I wanted to personally see. Mm-hmm. So sometimes randomly, like I know Kathleen goes to a lot of National Soccer League games. Yep. A lot. Yep. A lot. NWSL. Yeah. And it's a really good league that y'all should pay attention to. I still haven't been to our team's game. They're a lot of fun. They're out at uh, that Legends Field. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they've got their next one is end of July. So take it to turf. I think we're going to do something, take it to turf for them um, because we always have to support the home team. Um, now let's take it to track. So there was a big controversy this week. So two weeks ago, it was crazy because I went viral by tweeting <laughs> about Shakari Richardson. Um, I had been following her for like two years and I, I saw, you know, she's a Nike athlete. She's on, she's 21 years old. Mm-hmm. She she ended up winning a race that was the I think it was the 100 relay mm-hmm. where she beat like a world record. And then on that day, I tweeted about it, a bunch of people tweeted about it and she went viral. She was viral for like a whole week. Mm-hmm. She ended up making the Olympic team and then she was supposed to play uh run. I keep saying play. I'm such a basketball player. Uh she was supposed to compete in the four by 11 relay race as well. So I guess last week she took a drug test. I don't know when the drug test, she took the actual drug test, but I know mm-hmm. when the test came out. Yes. The test came out that said she tested positive for THC, which is a, which is a chemical in, in marijuana. And it went, it went crazy. The internet went crazy. Everybody mm-hmm. was mad. Um, it is on the list of prohibited uh, uh, substances. Yeah. And so the Olympic... I guess council mm-hmm. ended up saying, Hey, we're going to suspend her for 30 days. I felt like the 30 day suspension was a bit harsh. I think she could have did a, a 15 day suspension, but because she got suspended for 30 days, she could not run the race because I think it's July 27th. And I think it was like, um, it was either like July 1st or something with the day that she got yes. the, um, the 30 day suspension. So basically she would have been suspended after the 100 race. 
And then it was just announced yesterday or two days ago mm-hmm. that she now USA decided to not pick her for the four by 11, four by 100 race, mm-hmm. which she would have been, um, that would have been after her suspension. Right. There's all this drama going on with track Twitter. <laughs> yes. Because the track Twitter girls are mad because everybody's saying they're boycotting the Olympics and they're like, hey, we're still in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to watch us. And then Shakari came out and said, well, you can't be mad. So it was a back and forth that way. Mm-hmm. Shakari was like, you can't be mad because some people didn't even pay attention to track and field women until right. until me. Right. Um, and then it's just a lot. So what, what do you think about all of that? I think it's really unfortunate. Um, she, I think, was going to be a really, really big spark um, going into the Olympics. And everybody loves kind of a young, um, especially super flashy yeah, <laughs> um, flojo type girl yes uh i was very excited to watch her i will still be a fan of her for a long time i'm sure and we'll be cheering for her and every other race she runs i'm disappointed that she's not gonna be on the team um you know i think that uh it's it's just so complicated and the way that the media has treated it i think again is the bigger problem that was um, my thing that was my thing and i and i knew it was coming and i i kind of got triggered i was mm-hmm. like no don't do because i just know when a black person is listed next to marijuana mm-hmm. the type of of uh stuff that comes out and i just didn't want to i didn't want to deal with it but obviously it was everywhere i could not avoid it yeah um well, and I think that the strength that she's shown after such a tremendous loss of her mother in the middle, in the midst of this process, um, yeah, and to still be competing at that level, um, you know, sometimes it rains and I don't want to get out of bed. I yeah. certainly couldn't get up and run a yeah. hundred meters, um, and it, especially that fast and be such, you know, a vibrant personality. Yeah. And she she did an interview where this is another time that I wish that I didn't I didn't like first of all <laughs> she should in my opinion mm-hmm. she should have did an interview next to her counsel uh huh because honestly they should have fought that in my opinion now would it have been a PR would it have been good for PR not really but. I don't know what conversation was had. Like it's mm-hmm. so much stuff that I don't know. I don't know when did she take the test. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how how much are they saying that she that she was over the limit? Um, did she verbally admit to it? You know you have mm-hmm. to have counsel, and these are young. Right. I call them kids when they're in college. I call them kids because I have a <laughs> sibling that's in college. She's twenty one, and I have a little brother that's seventeen, about to go to college next year. And she's not a kid, but that's just what I say. So I feel like they need to have representation when they're dealing with big things like this. We're dealing Mm -hmm. with the Olympics, you know? So she did an interview where she was like in her bedroom. Uh, She was getting asked by, uh, what was it, ABC or somebody. And then she was just admitting to stuff. She was like, yeah, I did smoke. I knew I wasn't supposed to smoke. She said, "Uh, my mom, I lost my mom four days before I won. She was like... Uh, I knew I wasn't supposed to do it, but I was stressed out. I, you know, like I said, if, if it was B or if I, if I was on her team and, and it was some other black women, um, attorneys and black women agents, one Mm -hmm. that is actually attorney and agent, Nicole Lynn, she was trying to reach out to her and she was trying to help her, Mm -hmm. uh, because we don't think she has representation, but I think that the, the, um, committee, the Olympic committee could have looked at her case in the totality 
and just saw all the factors, saw where she came from. Um, she was told that her mom died on a, after a race by a reporter. Right. And people don't understand, like, she's she was raised by her grandmother. Right. So there's clearly some issues that, you know, was happening in her family. This is very common. Um, I know she came from poverty. So we're dealing with a lot of factors that the Olympic team can't just, or the Olympic council can't just say, oh, she has this, let's suspend her without at least looking at the factors. I mean, I could think of a bunch of arguments and things. And I saw a lot of other attorneys thinking the arguments, but she just accepted it. She mm -hmm. said, she said she was wrong. And she said, I guess it's some other world race or something next mm -hmm. year. So she said she's going to get ready for that. Uh, I was very upset, you know, seeing Shakari Richardson at the Olympics, it would have meant a lot for the community and it was a big loss. And, and then it went from, so me, I'm on the legal side. So I'm, I'm looking at all the legal people. Uh -huh. Then you got the track people. Then you got the regular people that's not <laughs> in either. Wow. <laughs> then you point to me. No, not you. <laughs> I'm just doing one, two, and three. But I'm saying like people who aren't into sports. Right. People were so pissed. Mm -hmm. So then it went to she shouldn't be smoking that weed. She shouldn't be a drug right. addict. Right. She shouldn't be, you know, doing this. When you have other leagues that aren't testing for it anymore. And that ended up being another kind of level of the drama as well, <laughs> because the NBA announced last year that they would not test would in the bubble. Test. Yeah. And, and, and I was glad that they did that because, you know, in a lot of places, including Missouri, marijuana is seen as a medicine. So mm -hmm. if, if people have anxiety. And I don't think it makes you run faster. <laughs> oh yeah. Everybody said that. <laughs> Some people were saying, according to this tech, that's what I'm saying. It was too many different analysis, yes. analyses going yes. on. It was too many. I was just flabbergasted but i bottom line she's not running there's yeah. other girls running the girls With that are fantastically running fantastically talented women yeah and those women said they said that they want support yes so i want to know do are y'all going to support the olympics this year are you going to support the other track and field games are they called games mm -hmm. okay sure <laughs> Are you going to support events? Yeah. Events. Games, events. Are you going to support? Are you boycotting it? Because some people are saying, I'm not watching it. Some people are saying they're watching it. Then we have a lot of other people in the Olympics. So mm -hmm. I'm like, are you not watching that Olympics? <laughs> uh, are you not watching women's track and field? Right. Are you just not watching the Olympics? Are you skipping Simone Biles? Yeah. There's some, there's a lot of other stuff too. Um. So then I guess one thing that I saw in swim, in swim Twitter, mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so I have my natural hair out today, which love it. Gorgeous. <laughs> it's a little, it, it could be considered big to some people like, oh, you have such big hair, whatever. So the swim team, they were trying to see if there was possible, if they could use this different swim cap mm -hmm. that's particularly made for black women's hair. Mm -hmm. Um, the current swim caps, I know I can't put that swim cap over my hair. That's just me. Um, even if I had braids or whatever, because, uh, the, the cap is small. And if your hair is not flat, it's not mm -hmm. going to come on your head. So the Olympic council, again, they ended up denying it saying that, let me get the exact thing while you yeah. tell me what's your thoughts. Cause I want you to, I want to see exactly what they said on this. Yeah. I mean, I think this was an area where I am not real qualified to give an opinion, <laughs> but, um, it seems, it seems 
like a pretty direct, um, I'm not sure attack is quite the right word, but um, I, I can't possibly see how that would change um, or enhance someone's athletic performance by having a different shaped swim cap. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, it reminds me of a lot of the um, burkini um, controversies in Muslim cultures where, you know, they are will. they allowed to wear the, like, burqa swim costumes exactly. or not? And yeah. it, Even in basketball, too, they had to. Yes. They had to fight for that. Right. And it, it makes me think of that. And that, it just seems so unnecessarily discriminatory. Mm. Yeah. So they said that these caps do not fit the natural form of the head. And to their best knowledge, the athletes competing in international events mm -hmm. never used them and never required them a cap of that size. Because like I said, it's, it's the cap mm -hmm. is bigger mm -hmm. than, the, than the small swim caps. Uh, the, I think they're bogus for this. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, what? Uh, something else that happened. They... The, the use of the word natural bothers me. <laughs> like, the natural shape of the head. Like, whose head oh, is yeah, the natural head. shape? Yeah, no, my head, I don't even There's know. a reason we have so many different sizes of ball caps. And even oh, yeah. if you don't get a sized one, they have Velcro. Like, yeah. there's not one normal shape or size of a head. My brother has a huge head. Like, he has to get, the. I think, the size eight. I think all, <laughs> I think all brothers do. I think it's just part of it. <laughs> Your brother has a big head, too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my brother's head is huge. So... Um, but I think that it also shows that, you know, if they're saying that athletes haven't required these in the past, then that shows the concessions that these athletes have been making to fit your mold for this long. That's my thing. When people say that this never happened before, it's never been a complaint before, I'm like, it probably, that means that it probably has been complaints and you've right. never done anything about it. Like, that's that's what I think. Yeah. Uh, another thing they were talking about, um, apparently... And see, this is something that people need more education on. Mm -hmm. When you're when you're conceived, <laughs> there's an egg, <laughs> and there's a sperm. <laughs> then those two combinations determine what your sex is going to be. Mm -hmm. they, they determine what your sexual organs are going to be. Yes. Sometimes, even though you have you could have quote unquote female sexual organs. You could have a level of testosterone uh, and yeah, there's a lot of things. high occurring. And there's some people that has a, or, a, a ovary and a testes. Mm -hmm. There's some people, there's a lot of different things that can occur. Mm -hmm. I think that people need more education on that. So yes, there's an Ambien woman athlete who basically she's 18 mm -hmm. And she's not allowed to compete in the 400 meter Olympics because they tested her and they said her testosterone levels are too high. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just, what? We dealt with that for a long time with Castro Semenya also. Um, and again, I, it's so complicated because how are you defining natural? How are you defining the natural level of what a woman should be? Um, and these women have gone through so many really ridiculous um, tests and protocols and all of these things to prove who they are. Um, and 
this is adjacent to, but not directly related to, um, you know, the transgender women in sports argument, Mm -hmm. um, which is obviously a very different medical approach. Um, But for this, the idea that a woman reaches the absolute peak of her ability of her competition and you tell her that she is not woman enough to compete yeah is absurd um and you think about you know bull bull if you go to the nba is absurdly tall and he's in the nba because he's taller than everyone else he can also shoot three pointers and he's also a lot of fun to watch but his body is different and that's made him better at sport and we applaud it there we applaud michael phelps for having longer arms um we applaud all these different people for having something different about them genetically that makes them better and so i don't think that it's the ioc's place to then decide that this other genetic anomaly is not okay and to say that she's, you know, essentially a threat to the sport because she's not, she's just out here trying to run and trying to live her best life. And so I think that ultimately that is the bigger question is who's defining normal. And then why is different from normal sometimes celebrated and sometimes vilified? Hmm. I like, I like everything you said, especially the first thing you said that they are telling women uh, how how much, how many, you know, the levels that their body mm-hmm. is supposed to have. And then the question is, who is telling them? Is it men? Because you look at somebody like Brittany Griner, and she has gone through horrible abuse on Twitter, in the media, and everything for being, for appearing too manly. And that's not fair. It's not Because fair. she is a woman. She is, she identifies as a woman. She plays as a woman. And she is fantastic at what she does. Yeah. You know, that's a bigger question. Like, who defined what a woman is? Mm-hmm. And what was the motive for that? And, right. and who does it help and who does it hurt? Because, you know, them telling them telling people that if they have... First of all, I can't control what levels of testosterone are in my body. No. <laughs> Unless you're taking a supplement. And a supplement is then a totally different scenario for the IOC. Exactly. And she's, and she didn't, she didn't test positive for anything. Right. Same with Caster so, because they looked at all of her, they have made her go through numerous blood tests. That was sad when I saw that. Uh-huh. That's, that's too much. So it, it's a bigger question because, um, the idea of what a woman is, is so narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, the idea of what a man is can be so many different things. Um, this is something that I struggled with as a, the type of woman that I am, because I'm not a, I guess, traditional, it's, it's hard for me to say, but what people traditionally think a woman is or a woman wants or a yeah. woman's desires are is not necessarily mine. Um, and then I, I thought that like, they can make you feel like you're, you're a man or you're masculine just because mm-hmm. you don't want to do what they narrowly said a woman does. Right. And then you find out that actually in ancient times, there were women like this. There were women like this. There were women like that. Mm-hmm. There were women sages. So as far as my archetype, I'm supposed to be like a sage archetype. And these are mm-hmm. women who um, like 
you know, the pursuit of knowledge and this and that, like, that's what I desire. I'm not, there's other archetypes of women that like certain things, but this is like something that you wouldn't know about me if you, if you, uh, unless you like knew me. Right. But this is something that is in like the dating world and all of this stuff where they're like, well, why, why don't you like this? Or why aren't you like this? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm just not like that. Like, right. Right. So it's like women just existing as women being told from people who are not women majorly mm-hmm. that this is what a woman is supposed to be doing or supposed yeah. to have, or your, your, your levels are too, it's stupid. It is. And I think that again, going back to the WNBA is part of what's so powerful about the WNBA today is that we are seeing women of different, um, body types and, the hairstyles and everything. And they've even released alternate logos with natural hair. I like and they've it. done some really powerful things. Um, and then we have Lashia Clarendon, who, uh, you know, is a trailblazer in their own right. And yes, I think that their openness is really hopefully going to lead the way in the next several years. That's and why I think the maybe is so start important. tearing down some of these walls. The W is, is kind of like, it's one of the most diverse mm-hmm. leagues that we have. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the most diverse leagues that we have, one of the most, I would say, accepting and open. Like, yes. uh, you know, like you said, we talked about before people, I'm talking about before Colin Kaepernick, before all of that stuff, mm-hmm. the league did not punish its players for supporting you know, victims of police brutality or right. for fighting for change or for, uh, you know, we have a lot of open LGBT people in our league. Why? Yes. Because it's, it's, it's more accepted. Yes. Uh, we just had the first, uh, according, according to him, he said he's the first open NFL player currently playing uh-huh. and it's 2021. So we know that there's mm-hmm. been, there's definitely been LGBT NFL players, but they haven't been open while playing. Um, WNBA, we have teammates married to each other. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't get more gay than that. Yeah. We, <laughs> like, we, we, we accept stuff like that. Yes. Now, when he came out, a lot of people publicly accepted him. And that's what we need. We need more mm-hmm. of that. Uh, but that's what I like about the W. Yes. We have everything. Like, there's so <laughs> many different flavors of, oh, what do you like? Whatever you like, you're going to find it. Yes. I think you'll find it in the WNBA. And that's why I, I hope we get some more. First of all, we are getting more fans. They yes. say every, uh, it's like the viewership keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Every week is going up. And that's why I hope that the All-Star Game gives what I want it to give. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely stay tuned to our social because we are organizing a watch party and would love to see you guys there. Yes. So make sure I'm your host, Natalia Natasha Scruggs. You watch Take It to Court podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, subscribe on YouTube. You can subscribe on YouTube. Also, was it? Apple, Apple Spotify, Mm -hmm. everything, Google, everything. So have a good day, y'all.